Is this, is this on? <laughs> are, we, are we recording? Yeah, no, it's definitely recording. <laughs> I don't think you have to stay that close to it, though. <laughs> do we have to stand really close? Or no, just no, what, talk hang on, louder. what are we calling this thing? Well, he calls it the All-Stars Journey. We are not the All-Stars. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should be the No-Stars You're the No-Stars. No-Stars here. <laughs> None? No, because no. I, well, I guess we're non-pros. Mm. And I, like, I'm going to be really uncomfortable about calling myself a non-pro. I feel like it's offending, like actually non-pros. <laughs> if I'm in the same, I'm going to be a non-non-pro. Okay, so I guess and we've got our professionals in the equine disciplines, which Matt, whose podcast we've just stolen is a professional in the reining industry. He is. And then we have us non, non-pros. non Yeah, average. Average, average non-pros. non-pros. Just I mean, your not average you. people. <laughs> <laughs> average people giving it a go. The ordinaries. <laughs> <laughs> or are we out of the ordinary? <laughs> Which one not. are we? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. All right, well, there is three of us. So it could take a while, but let's try and... Get some sort of order, I suppose. Yeah, well, we are three very different aspects of the non-non-pro. Totally. Different dynamics always works well. <clears throat> yes. Yep. So, are we going to... Who's going up? <laughs> <laughs> we are so organised. <laughs> who's up first? So organised. So, well, all right, Leah, I guess you... We'll start with you. Okay. I feel like you were one of the brains behind stealing Matt's podcast or was it you Andy (laughs) (laughs) but anyway so Leah is your hard-working people pleaser would you agree Andy yes 100% she's a social butterfly at an event always the one keeping everyone organized keeping people entertained I always show up and always under show (laughs) (laughs) well I think that's a bit of a lie Leah because I saw you at a competition once and you, okay, you're a bit of a nervous wreck, let's be real. Yeah. And um, not only were you organising everyone else, you were trying to get yourself organised. I don't even know if you had your horse saddle, but I think you're in the next event. And, um, and I thought to myself, okay, I've got to watch this. This could be entertaining. <laughs> but sure enough, I went and watched and you actually kind of nailed it. Huh. And you looked very cool, calm and collected. You were like the total different person to what I she, just saw half an hour before. She always looks cool like she's just like yeah i'm going out there bam lead change this is how i do it (laughs) on the inside i'm like (laughs) oh god oh god the lead change is coming up (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i'm sorry Um, all right and then we've got andy that's me andy i think you should represent the still relevant (laughs) Very relevant. Very relevant. Horse trainers, partners or wives in the industry, because most of them are, um, not abandoning themselves and what (laughs) what they can really achieve uh, just by simply feeding horses, marking out stables. You're more than just cooking clinic lunches. Yes, so much more than cooking clinic lunches. Yeah, I feel like there's a bit more to us than that. I appreciate that. Right. You are also a very good towel platter. <laughs> <laughs> Says the lady. Um, I feel like we're, I, I'm probably bringing it down. Renee, you've been in it 
a long time. I'm still keeping it on the lower end. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I I disagree. I disagree. So you're a busy business mum. You run your own business, um, but you definitely keep the performance or stream alive. Um, Probably no one would have met you, oh, they, they probably met you, but your, your story, probably you should tell us about your story and how it all started for you. Oh, we're kicking that off now. I'm yeah. first off the rank. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, okay. You can go um, first. Am I going way back? Yeah. yeah go way back. Like way back. Yeah. Go from when the I was start. just a wee little, little child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, yes, like Leah said, I'm now a mum and a business owner and um, I'm trying to keep the dream alive. And I guess my dream started when I was about five or six and I said to my mum, I'd actually just watched the movie City Slickers and I said, I want to ride like a cowgirl. Like that was, (laughs) you know, I lived in Sydney on the outskirts of Sydney. So, you know, I kind of felt like the City Slickers, that was a bit of me, wanted to be a cowgirl. So sure enough, my mum was like, righto, we'll train you up to be a cowgirl. And we found... A local trainer at the time, um, a Western Pleasure trainer named Carolyn Johnson, who is, I believe, one of the top trainers in the country still. And I learned Western Pleasure from when I was six to about seven. No, I didn't know that. And so, you know, you could imagine it wasn't a very high level at six or seven, but I was learning from the best. So I felt like I was killing it. And at the time, there was another trainer there who trained cutting horses named Sean Flynn. And he's now in America as one of the top trainers over there. And my brother used to get dragged along to my riding lessons a few times a week. And he would wander off because he didn't want to watch me and watch the cutting horses be trained and got totally hooked. So he actually got into it. My parents bought him his first horse. He would have been about nine or ten at the time and that's pretty much where we got into kind of where I am now we got into cutting horses at that time um I started competing on cutting horses when I was eight um I showed my first one-handed cutting horse when I just turned eight years old and I won the beginners so that was really exciting I had a really cool horse named Dandy Dockbar and it pretty much just took on from there pretty much rode we traveled all over Australia my parents hauled us around with a bunch of really good horses. And when I was 10, I think I won a junior... Oh, no, I got runner-up junior title of Australia and, you know, just kept showing. I only ever showed in the youth, though. I never moved up to the non-pro events like my brother did. He was sort of 12 showing in non-pro events and kind of got kicked out of those classes early because he'd won too much money. And so I never did that. I stayed in the youth, which meant as an adult, then I became eligible for those lower events which you know just kept me showing at a you know a good competitive stage when you're just a kid I suppose then I did get out of cutting for quite a few years my parents got divorced and things like that so I just stopped riding altogether but we still had a horse a few horses that we bred that needed starting and just one day we decided okay let's start one and try and get back into the sport so I had a little mare that had about six months training and I started competing on her after six months, which is a big feat at, you know, cutting horses are generally trained for 18 months before they see the show pen. So I competed on her for a few years and then I became an adult and I realized how expensive it was (laughs) (laughs) and I had to fund it myself. So I decided to change disciplines a bit. I played a bit of polo. I went camp drafting. Um, and then in that time I started working as a publicist for the rock band in excess 
And I started doing that. As you do. <laughs> Any of this. <laughs> and I decided, you know, I could financially get back into cutting yeah. and do it myself. So I bought a yearling at the NCHA Petruity Sales and I broke him in myself. He was one of those horses that was just so easy. I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I was just like, one day I handled him and I was like, mm, seems quiet. <laughs> next day I put a bridle on him and I was like, oh, yeah, he's took that okay. Then the next day I was like, what do I do next? I'll put a saddle pad on him. Then I was like, oh, well, that was a bit too easy. I'll put a saddle on him. And then I thought, okay, well, what do I do next? I didn't really know. So I was like, I'll just ride him. And so within like three days I was riding this horse and, you know, he was just great. And then I sent him to a trainer, Phil Gray in Tamworth, and he had him trained for me um, for uh, as a fraturity horse. Yep. And I did quite well with that horse. And then in that time... From working within excess, I then started a trail riding centre with my now husband in Sydney. And we had about 80 horses working in the trail riding centre in Sydney. Long story short, we now have our own place in the Hawkesbury in Sydney. And we also have a riding school here. Give it a plug. Hawkesbury Valley (laughs) Equestrian (laughs) Centre. Which we started. And we still have about 60 horses and my husband supplies horses for film and television, so we do that as Who's well. your husband? Graham Ware. Mm. Yeah, so they live a quiet life. <laughs> so we do, and in that time, I've had two small children. <laughs> we have to back this up because I think that we're going to have to have you as the all-star. <laughs> she, she can take us along. <laughs> anyway, long story short, I competed in cutting most of my life. A little bit of camp drafting, a little bit of polo. Recently, a little bit of rain cow horse, which I'm such a duck out of water in that, but I love it. Um, but yeah, cutting is my main passion. It's what I've been involved in for most of my life, for more than, you know, 25 years or more of my yeah. life. And um, yeah, so that's kind of my little backstory, the long and the short of it. And yeah, that's a good story. Yeah, just pretty <laughs> casual life. Pretty Worked casual. on some films. Worked for a major rock band. <laughs> Broke in my own horse. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, you're the horse you're going to carry us. The, the main reason that we did, we wanted to chat together is because we wanted to um, sort of put together um, like a non-pro journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's like, you know, we are potentially three very relatable people. <laughs> Just the ordinaries. I mean, not Renee. I recently went through a really big stage of nerves. Okay. So I, you know, I kind of put it out to the Facebook world, as you do, because Mm -hmm. I'm a compulsive Facebooker. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I, you know, I recently went to a show and I nearly had a bit of a, I guess, almost a panic attack over nerves, which I'd never had my whole life. I've always been pretty cool and calm and collected about showing. And I recently got this like big surge of nerves and everyone said to me, start listening to some podcasts, which were amazing. I started listening to a bunch of podcasts about like how to calm your nerves and then horse related ones as well. But majority of them are from professionals and people who are living it, living and breathing the horse world day in and day out. And there wasn't really anything totally relatable to me as someone who didn't ride every day, even though I have horse businesses, I still, as a busy mum and things like that, you don't get to ride every day. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing that totally related to my circumstance. And I'm sure 
not my circumstances as everyone else's as well. But I feel like this, when you guys meant, when Leah and Andy mentioned it to me, I thought it is missing. Like that lower, you know, level non-pro. Yeah. Um, totally. You know, and talking about the challenges there. of just your ordinary non non pro or non non pro as I'm gonna call myself, <laughs> but that we do have full time jobs and we are trying to squeeze in, you know, getting a horse worked, whether it's at a trainer and you're not riding it, or whether it's at your place and you're responsible for riding it, like skipping days or even I get on Sundays and. I'm in the arena for 15 minutes just sitting on uh, scrolling through Facebook. But... <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> so I did get saddled up. I probably well, didn't, a good do... Start. <laughs> I didn't do the work that I needed to do. And then I didn't realise until I was in the marshalling pen that I probably should have <clears throat> done some more beforehand. Should have prepared a little bit probably more. Probably should have prepared. Should have <laughs> myself a little bit more time. So... Leah, then, what is your background? Um, I believe you've done one of Matt's podcasts yeah. before. Yeah, I did but... have a chat to Matt's, to Matt's audience or whether anyone <laughs> listened to it, I'm not sure. Um, so I have had horses my whole life, but probably I wouldn't say well-bred horses. I did pony club and um, my parents just bought what they could afford. Um, but I, I was always connected with people who were in the industry so I was like you know the worst house on a good street sort of thing so I would go (laughs) I got to go with everybody and like like I said no we went to a camp draft with you and you had a young horse there and and then our friend Blair um she always had good horses so I was always along for the ride um but I I never really started getting on better horses until recently Mm -hmm. um, which has made a difference to my confidence but similarly I've always struggled with the anxiety or like like the panic of being at a show before the show at the show yeah yep all of the above all of the above like I'm putting entries in I get like (laughs) (laughs) entries anxiety You know. Can I ride in that class? <laughs> Should I ride in that class? Call seven friends, see what they're doing. <laughs> what classes they're going in. That class has a lead change, won't enter that. <laughs> uh, Can I ride in a snaffle? <laughs> I'm always like, I have like packing anxiety. Like Is I'm my friend going to the show? <laughs> if they're going, I may not go. <laughs> everyone there like that's my main thing oh I yeah you need that i need everybody support. there um uh, i can't remember what was going <laughs> yeah at the show definitely like once i'm there sidetracked can't keep my mind on the job when i'm out there remembering anything that i've learned so but you are predominantly a rainer uh now. i pretend to be yeah, yeah. <laughs> My horse is a rainbow. Raining is your goal. Raining is the goal. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we have... I'm coming back to you, though, because I want to talk more about, like, your entry anxiety and things like that. Mm -hmm. But let's jump to Andy with... Andy, 
obviously we've stolen your fian- now fiance my now fiance podcast matt charles so you are the future andy charles yeah that's me i think i'm gonna go to andrea I andrea think, charles yeah so i feel like a andy's a bit masculine <laughs> I mean, speak to your publicist about it. <laughs> Look, I can uh, um, work out a media release. Oh, thank one you. Times. <laughs> uh, so, so, Andrea Charles, tell yeah, us about you. So, um, I also recently did a podcast with my fiance. Oh, it's got everyone on there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not me yet. I had to wait for you girls to invite me. <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> I think you'd be pitching Graham. Oh. <laughs> It's always the husband. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. So um, I sort of rode horses as a kid, but very, yeah, there was not much finesse to anything that I did. Um, I was more of a, like, point and kick kind of kid. Oh. Um, we had good family friends that had horses, so I used to ride them. I was actually genuinely terrified of horses as a small child, uh, terrified of anything, and then, yeah, got over that. Um, and... Yeah, sort of rode through school and then went north and worked on a cattle station, which I think all city girls that want to be a cowgirl try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up injured and came home and then um, actually started working for you, Renee, didn't I? That's when your life really got started. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thought, and I really thought, took off for you. yeah, that's right. And when I thought to myself, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like her. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Stop yeah. it. Stop it. After this podcast, she's the top of my list. I'm getting a post on. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I worked for you for a very long time. And I think that's how my um, introduction into more of the performance horse industry started. Because um, after a few years, you were like, hey, you want to ride a cutter? And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> Um, so I started there a few times. I showed a few times in the beginners, which was really cool. I mean, to be fair, I don't know if I actually showed the horses or if I just sat on the horse and the horse showed itself, um, (laughs) because your horses are kind of cool. Well, we had a really cool gelding, I guess he could nearly have a plug because he's the son of, um, one more spin. He is cool. Mm -hmm. Um, an old horse who is now retired in our paddock, more little peppy. Yeah. And you won a couple of shows on him, didn't I won you? a couple of shows on him, and he was just cool. Like, he was like, Renee was just like, just kick him. <laughs> just kick him. He will always stop and turn with the cat, and he and did. Watch cow. Always watch my cow. And he was just easy. He was the perfect introduction to cutting horses because he never whopped me around or anything like that. And then um, we'll go more into the story about riding more intense one, horses. More one-handed horses. Uh, yeah, later and down the podcast. then you met your now fiancé. I did. At work. Here. I did. I was running the riding school up here for an A and Matt turned up and... I hired him to come and do a clinic here. Yeah. And I was actually away and even I heard about the sparks that flew. I think it was good that you and Graham were away because honestly, if you were here, I I'm think not he, sure. I think you need to clear it up because in the last podcast, you said you thought he was old. I did. No. He's, he, to be fair, he is older than me. Right. Yeah. A fair bit older than me. Well, how old sparks, were you when sparks, you met Matt? I was 25. Oh, you just a little whippersnapper. And he was 34. There you go. And God, don't say people that are 34 or old. 
<laughs> I'm past that now. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he had more grey hairs than you. Okay. <laughs> well, that's fair. Um, and, yeah, honestly, we just... If there was just good banter between us. We didn't act. Everyone's like, oh, there were sparks flying. But <laughs> I don't know if that's the truth, to be honest. And he will actually agree with me on that. We just got along. And then he was here doing a clinic and it was Mother's Day. This is, this is how the story actually went. He was here okay. doing a clinic. It was Mother's Day. And his parents and his brother came here to see him mm-hmm. as the clinic finished. And I thought to myself... Who the hell is driving in here at five o'clock? Like, who is this? So I stood in the driveway and I must have just looked like so rude. And I just stared at you. You thought it was more work coming in. You thought, here Probably. I am about to clock off. Someone coming in <laughs> to ask me something, and all I wanted was to go and have a nice cold drink. Anyway, and they just drove straight past me and went down to Matt. And so later that night. He'd asked me to send in some photos from the clinic and I said, oh, by the way, whoever that was that came to see you tonight, I'm really sorry, but I would have looked really rude because I just didn't know who it was. He's like, oh, no worries. That was just my parents. And they're sweethearts. They're sweethearts. They go to all the shows. They're they the best. Are the sweetest. So that was it. And then... Then you fell madly in love? No. Well, then he just... <laughs> hours no. Like, <laughs> like, we've given her so much, so much life. <laughs> she just keeps shutting us down. <laughs> no but he just messaged he that was it that was the conversation and then a couple of hours later he was like so what are you doing and we started talking and then a few days later renee actually said to me oh you should hit up that matt charles that was here in the weekend. <laughs> and we'd already the been talking you are dogs, or human related you are. but we had already been talking right um and then yeah he asked me on a date he will say the story went differently but he asked me on a date well, and then you abandoned us. I had, I had no manager at my writing school anymore. Not, not like in. straight away. We actually dated for a year. <laughs> but I had to, I had to grow up and flourish and you did spread my wings. I'd like worked for you wings. for quite a while. So quite just a while. if you are looking for an MC at a wedding. Renee, I'm not sure. She it's has safe. MC'd. She's MC'd the wedding that I went. To. <laughs> oh she was bloody good. <laughs> yeah, but Look, Renee knows too I much. I have many skills. <laughs> you know too much about me. I don't know if that's yeah, safe. Yeah, I could be a really embarrassing <laughs> MC. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's so safe. I am so. planning to be the flower girl. Oh, good. As long as you like dance down the oh, aisle the and toss I'm all over it. Petals. And are you going to ride a horse in? Is that type of ride? No. No. Too cliche. Okay, so back to being the trainer's wife. What does... You you don't ride horses full-time with Matt, do you? No, I don't. So I... I, Yeah, I actually work (laughs) Work. full-time in childcare. Um, It's, you know, I think our main business is more that he's teaching people and... um, and he does a lot of clinics. We travel every weekend for clinics. Um, right, he takes in horses to train at home, but not as many as a lot of trainers do. Um, and so there's not really a, a major need for me to be there full time at home. So I go and work, which I think is great for us. It works really well. Um, so yeah, I do not ride that often. That often. Do you go to the clinic? Do you travel to clinics with him? Does he travel around a lot? Travels around a lot. We travel everywhere. Um, and to be honest, I do go to clinics with him because it's the only time we spend time together. Yep. Um, because we are so busy. Um, 
we will often, if we have, you know, our own horses, we may take them to clinics and that's a good opportunity for me to be able to jump on a horse and ride. Um, so I, I do like to travel. It's not all the time, but it's honestly the only time that we spend together. Which is nice, but I guess that can be tough too with, you know, when it becomes competition time again, which has obviously been minimal with COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of prep our horses and, you know, Matt would be the same, prepping horses, going to clinics, prepping people, yeah. and then no shows to go to. But if there was shows to go to, do you get the opportunity to show? Yeah, I mean, I have shown a little bit. I think when we're at horse shows um, and any horse trainer's wife or partner will attest to this, we are just as busy as horse trainers because <laughs> um, we keep them fed and watered and we saddle their horses and we wash their horses and um, we talk to the clients while they're riding the client's horses and all these sorts of things. So I feel like horse shows for us are absolutely crazy. Um, obviously the last little while hasn't been too bad, but Matt was also has, has been on the committee of the New South Wales Reining Club for a while. So um, him being on the committee means that I am also on the committee, even though I am not on the committee. Um, so, you know, helping run the shows and, and, keeping him fed and sorting horses and all that stuff. It's very, it is actually very rare that I get to show, but, um, I, yeah, I've shown a little bit. Um, I avoided showing reining horses for as long as possible because there was this inner anxiety in me that thought everyone's going to watch me because I'm a horse trainer's girlfriend. Yeah. That added pressure of, you know, I guess you're expected to do well, but I guess you're like us, you don't get to ride. No, no. I think think everybody thinks everybody's watching them. They do, and the reality is that you're not. Right. Like, maybe they are, maybe people are watching, but I think everybody, once you get to the show, you think, oh my God, I'm going to make a fool of myself or um, along along those lines. But whatever the pressure is for you, I think probably it's sometimes we put the same pressure on ourselves. at a show a hundred percent and I think you know people are there watching but you know and actually as a cutter I've always said this about you know the cutting versus reining for instance with cutting I feel like you're kind of a little bit hidden even though people are watching you've got four herd herd helpers like surrounding you and you've got a herd of cows yeah and there's a cow in front of you so you kind of like it's not just you out there yeah and my little dabble in the reining pen (laughs) When I go out there, I literally feel like I'm naked. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, and it's, it's just the biggest arena on earth. And it's silent. Right. And you ride out there. And Even you... if it's not silent, sometimes you you can't hear anything. No, I don't so hear does, anything. You just feel like it's silent or out you, there. As a mum, I occasionally hear the, go home, mum. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear that puts you off more. <laughs> Because then you feel like everyone's turned around and looked because someone's right. yelled something out. Right. But chances are they probably haven't. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like there's there's a lot of pressure when you do go out into an arena and it's just you and your horse. You feel really exposed. Yeah. Um. So I feel like yeah, I felt the most exposed that I'd ever been when I rode into a, a raining arena. So I yeah, I I guys. actually definitely agree with that. Like I um you obviously let me show your cutting horses and I felt very like here we're gonna help you do this and there was all these people there with me and I was like oh this is fine but especially when you've got these you've got these great professional guys sitting or ladies sitting in your corners 
talking you through that entire run. Like, yeah, you can open, totally. you, you're not even allowed to talk oh, to your horse I've, I've at a raining. I've been voting for it the whole time. I reckon raining should have a caller. So you can have someone on the sideline <laughs> yeah. that can just be like, go left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go left. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. But they remind up. you that, like, you know, big circle, small circle. That's and it. Just like the guys say, watch your cow. Yeah. Watch your cow. Breathe. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is the reality of it. Like, right. I think the first time I showed a reining horse, they opened the gate and I had to walk into the middle and start in the centre for my pattern. And it took me a long time to get it's there. It's a shameful walk. <laughs> the ultimate walk it of shame. was quiet. It was real quiet and I got into the middle and I stopped and all these people went, woo! And I was like, what? You stopped? I haven't even started yet. And then I think I had to take a left circle and my horse picked up the correct lead and everyone was like, woo! And I was like, okay, there are people watching me. Um, so, like, it was supportive, but, yeah, you, you're pretty naked out there. I yeah. think so. Yeah. It's very daunting. So and as challenges as, as far as – because now I feel like we wanted to talk about challenges. Yeah. And we've talked about fears, <laughs> which, is, which is great. I don't want to scare anybody out of doing it. No. no. I, it's – so, when you pull it off, it's amazing. It's like it feels amazing. No, it's cool. It's cool. That's why, I think, and I think that's why we keep going back, isn't right. it? You know, we put so much pressure on ourselves leading up to entries, parking. <laughs> Just parking <laughs> at the show is daunting. Oh, like 100%. you get there and there's all those big trucks, right? Sorry, I got a little sidetracked. <laughs> I feel like this is one of my biggest anxieties. Right. I get to a cutting show and, you know, probably late. <laughs> and I drive in and there's all these the big trucks and everything and I go in with my little gooseneck and I, I think, oh, that looks like a good spot. No, won't be able to reverse out of that one. <laughs> and, you know, then you're looking for power. Then you're looking for your stables. Like, it is mounted pressure from the moment you drive in there. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, you're, you were talking about entries. I feel like I've entered so many shows over you know. the years that that's probably not a super stressful thing for me. But when I started the new sport, like Rain Cowboys, those poor show organisers, the amount of times I'd call them and be like, so can I go in this? My horse is six. Can I ride it in a snaffle bit? No. Okay. So I need to go in a hackamore. Oh, I don't have a hackamore. And then, but, so can I just go in my stock saddle or do I ride in my cutting saddle? Right. Like, you know, there's all those things that when you're trying a new sport that you don't know but everyone is actually so helpful do you think you're bothering them right but they don't care They're, yeah but no, no you've got to ask the questions because everyone will be there to answer them that's it well leah you actually organize a lot of events yep. and have done over the years yep. um so i'm sure people have asked you all those questions yep. and you don't care but you still feel guilty asking them no back. don't <laughs> when the shoes on the other <laughs> no and and nobody's immune to it, I don't, I don't think. And then um, the bump in, always a thing. And something's always going to go wrong. And it's sometimes nice um, to have – well, someone's always going to be like, don't worry about it. And you're like, how can they not be worried? <laughs> <laughs> and then same with the entries where people, they do same – apologies I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know this and I don't know that and my horse everybody I think the most common pieces are that people are saying oh my horse is 
you know, um, hasn't done it before or he has done it, but I haven't and all, all the explanations for why they probably, or they're trying to give examples for why they shouldn't come, but they should. Um, um, but I feel like to maybe when we're not as heavily involved full time and like we can often talk ourselves out of things. Mm. And I think that we need maybe moral support from other people to push us sometimes mm-hmm. yep. to get involved. Like I know that uh, I would never have shown horses if I didn't think that, that there was people going to be there and be like, we'll hold your hand. Mm. Mm. Actually a really good example, this little story time. Um, <laughs> I recently went to a show in Victoria and I hadn't ridden leading up to it. My horses were with my trainer. So because I, I'm quite busy at home, two little kids. I know it's not an excuse, but I always seem to find an excuse as to why I haven't ridden at home and I'm not riding fit. And, you know, so I do send my horses to a trainer in Scone, Warwick Screen. He looks, he's got usually three of my horses that he prepares for me. <laughs> and um, I get to a show and I do feel a, like a fish out of water when I get there. I know my horses already and I've just got to get on and do the job that I've learned to do over the past 25 years. But sometimes I get out there and I think... I don't remember how to do any of that, <laughs> but I'm going to give it a go anyway. And um, so I had, hadn't been on a horse for a while through all of COVID, went down to Victoria, got on my horse, thought, yeah. And it, was, it was a big show. Got this. Wasn't it? It was one of their futurity shows. Right. Um, and so I showed my little mare, I see you too. And I just was, I wasn't even in the running. Like she was doing her job, but I wasn't with her. You know, I was just, I thought I was looking at the cow, wasn't looking at the gal. Like, you know, just, it all went a little fast, you know. We still, we stayed on. We didn't lose a cow, but it was really fast. So the next day we just, you know, I mentally prepared myself better after a pep talk from my trainer (laughs) about how I need to really watch my cow and, you know, just relax and breathe and, you know, watch your cow be slow through your cuts, all the little things that I know Mm. that I've been told for 25 years. And then you get in the show. But I forgot them all the day before. Go out the window. (laughs) Anyway, so I showed and we did well. Mia was really good. I was more with her. And then the cows are really tough. But then I was drawn out last of the day in a really big herd of like 17 horses. And I was like, no, nah, cattle are going to be too tough. Can't do it. I was like, I'm going to scratch. I've got a long drive home. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to drive from Victoria back to Sydney tonight. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to go and just do one of those really horrible fast runs again. Yeah. So I can't do it. So I'm packing up my horse, walking out of the arena and, um, uh, a real non-pro who's one of the, you know, someone who I, I do look up to and I, my mare is a full sister to her mare, Linda McCallum. She stopped me and she said, are you sticking around tonight? I was like, no, I'm just heading to the office to scratch. And she was like, no, you are not. And I was like, yeah, yeah, the cattle are going to be too bad. They're going to be too fast. I'm just, I'm going to upset my mare. I'm just, I'm going to call it a day and I'm just going to go home early. And she was I'm, like, I'm, I'm showing smart today. <laughs> let's just finish on a good note <laughs> the last time was good i don't want to like rock the boat right. going last out you know it's yeah. going to be a schmozzle and she looked at me and she was like renee you are not scratching get on your horse and go and show it and enjoy your horse yeah and i just went 
yeah, you're right. Like, and I did, and I had a really good show. And everyone came up to me afterwards and was like, well, aren't you glad you stayed? (laughs) And it's just those things. You look, sometimes, you look for excuses to not do it. And it was the perfect example of, you know, someone that is at the top of their game telling you to go suck it up (laughs) and go and show your horse. (laughs) And it was just what I needed to hear. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure, you know, we've all had those moments of, you know, it's in the too hard basket. Right. And that's probably something I jump to a little bit. I just yeah. go, oh, no, I'm not going to be up for that or I'm not going to do well against those people because they're better than me yeah. and things like that. And you've just got to go and give it a go because at the end of the day, you could do your lead changes right and yeah. you could, you know, all that sort of stuff. So. And I think some of the best people that I've met in my life have been because I've been a part or in that instance, um, where Wendy McCallum saying to you, get on your horse and give it a red hot crack, like they're the bits, they're the good bits. Yeah. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It was like, you can't, you, like you're telling the story, like that was the, the part of the story that, that you loved. You didn't talk about your run. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So the, the part sometimes, and it's been the same for me, I've, um, have I can't remember a good run like we tried to talk about we tried to before we did this we're like what can we talk about I can't remember any of my runs but I remember those pieces when I'm going in and people are like you can do this and you got this and yeah just trust and you know get out there can't remember the run and in fact in my mind it's totally different to when I watch it back but after as well when someone comes up to you and is like oh my god i was so with you you're like they're the moments they're the moments they're the that keep bits. bringing you back right the people you meet and and the connection that you get to have um you know with great people mm-hmm. um it's like that's the priceless part yeah. absolutely and you know we as we were prepping because <laughs> you know we like to be a little bit prepared um you know we did talk about we said, okay, what's everyone's epic fails? And Andy said to me that her epic fail was the time she showed my horse to a spin. And I said, oh, but I think that was one of your big, biggest success right. stories. So I guess it's perception. You know, you looked yeah. at that and went, oh, God, you know, I nearly failed. But then you won the class. Yeah. So yeah. Perspective. tell us about, like, that moment of going and, you know, feeling like a fish out of water, I guess, because it's a fairly new sport, Mm -hmm. riding a one-handed cutting horse opposed to a two-handed cutting horse. And, you know, I guess how you mentally prepared for that run and how you got yourself through it and what happened. Yeah, so, I mean, to be honest, um, I was absolutely shitting myself. (laughs) Um, So you'd let me ride um, that old horse, Peppy, um, two-handed, and he was just a cool horse and... I felt like he sort of babysat me through everything, which is what I needed to get started. Mm -hmm. Um, And he taught me so much. And then you were like, you know, okay, well, maybe you can have a go one-handed. And, um, you know, I didn't grow up riding cutting horses or anything like that. So I don't have that seat and all those things that you need. Um, I remember before uh, before you told me that I could show your horse, you asked me the rules of cutting and I got everything right. So she said I could show her horse. <laughs> and um so yeah, so I actually had just showed Peppy two handed in mm-hmm. the same class. And I was like, oh he was so good. Like actually no, I think it might have 
Yeah, it was in two-handed class and I'd won it. And yep. he was just a dude, as he always was. Mm. So he probably went so in a bit confident. I was a bit confident, good. feeling good. I'd ridden Jura heaps at home. I'd ridden <clears> her on the flag. And to be fair, I think I'd ridden her on the flag and never on a cow. I think you're right. Um, yeah. And she was the kind of horse that just turned on on a cow. Like, she went through the motions on a flag and she did it correct, but it wasn't anywhere totally near yeah. as intense. And so I was like, man, I got this in the bag. Like, I went in there and I, honest to God, I could have closed my eyes. I had but my hand I up. I thought you did for a moment. <laughs> um, Renee said that she sort of watched me in my first cut and she's like, you were ballsy. You just had your hand up and you were just like, yep, I'm taking this one. And you just threw it. Like once you got one cat, you threw down and she was the type of man you could do that. on. Yeah. I just whopped my hand down thinking I have got this in the bag. (laughs) And you were winning the cutting in the first 20 seconds. (laughs) 100%. So I bring out the pen, cut a cow. Like my cut was... (laughs) On point. I'm it's not like even... the first time you go skiing. Yes. You think you're amazing in skiing and then you can't get up anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you look like Bambi or not. <laughs> right? So I cut my cow out the pen. I whop my hand down like I have been showing cutting horses all my life. And she breaks the cow. And on the first stop and turn, I get dashboarded so hard <laughs> That I fling off the side of her, right? So I ride left-handed, so I have my left hand on her neck, my right hand on the side of her, and I'm hanging off the left side of her. But you and never lifted your hand. Never lifted my hand. And I, to be honest, Renee, I couldn't. <laughs> I was hanging on for dear life, and all I thought was, as I looked at the dirt next to my left ear... This wasn't sheer ability. <laughs> no, no, no. I thought... Firstly, everyone's going to talk about this. And secondly, if I hit the dirt, I am never going to hear the end of this, right? So in every every inch of my body, I tried my very best to just pull with my hand on the saddle horn. And it just so happened that as she came around, she sort of like kind flung. Of you back up. She <laughs> flung and just I just was like... Whoa. And went ended back up, right? Right. Right. That, I don't think the mare even knew what happened, right? So she just back across the pen with the cow. And I'm like, ah! right? That was only my first cow. And that was only the first turn. So as soon as I could quit that cow, I was like, abort mission, right? So I did a few more turns. Dashboard a few more times, not as severe. <laughs> Quit that cow. And then I was like, oh, my God, I have to do that two more times. <laughs> That's what was going through my mind. I was like, how am I possibly going to do it? But I did because I was like the sheer embarrassment. Wait, I have a question. Have you cut since? No. No. <laughs> but do you know but what? But you won the cutting. I won the cutting. I got a Seventy-four. Put it on the resume. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, two or three of the points were pot- potentially pity points because. And you know I what? Courage points. True, true story is that that right hand that was on the saddle horn, I sprained my wrist <laughs> pulling myself back up. And just a disclaimer: cutting is generally a very safe sport. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, that was like. 
terrifying but so cool and I won and I was like how did I how did that even happen and I guess that is just another thing that makes these I think any horse sport addictive Mm. you know you can think you're underprepared or be as prepared as you possibly can be and it can just be the it can be the luck on the day obviously all the hard work and effort you put in or your trainers put in or you know the ability you have it can still go wrong and it can still go right mm. and oh, definitely and I, I mean I think like I know you hear people say people a lot of people talk to me you know if they're at a clinic or things like that with Matt they'll talk to me and they'll ask questions and um you know they'll be like oh but what if I forget the pattern or what if I uh do too many spins or my horse doesn't stop or I lose a cow in the cutting or things mm-hmm. like that but if you actually go and sit in a show and watch professionals lose cows all the time mm. and professionals overspin and their horses don't stop and like that's the reality of the whole industry that's not just us yeah little people yeah um you know so i think it's really important to just remind yourself of that all the time absolutely too. you know when you are freaking out just before you're about to go into the arena yeah. that everyone is there having a go and even the people at the top of their game and still mark up and that's probably what helps me that's kind of what I remind myself of and you know like I do you guys have like any little pre-show or pre-competition little rituals because I have this really strange one and when I was listening to podcasts it actually says and I've done it ever since I was a kid but it actually says like to tackle your nerves and things like that having a little pre-show routine is kind of what you need and um I do things like check my you know just double check everything check your girth check your bridles right you know you check your safety points and then I have this weird little thing that I adjust my belt buckle and I adjust my hat you do and I, I lift my hat off and I lift it back on and then I walk down the timeline and it like if I don't do that I feel like I've just skipped the steps of right. my preparation and but it's just now a habit that I do all the time and it's just something little yep. that I do I don't know why I touch my belt buckle and I touch my hat but it's just like this random little thing that yeah, I do get back in touch and I feel like I go okay now I'm ready to do this yeah and I take a deep breath and then I probably hold my breath for two and a half minutes <laughs> <laughs> and lets my help in the corner say Renee breathe and then you go <laughs> oh that's right I am still alive <laughs> but do you guys have any I don't have any um like pre Pre-show. Flight. No. <laughs> Pre-flight. Check. Pre-flight checks. <laughs> but because I'm so nervous, um, so I, I'm normally, like, in my warm-up, I, like, talk a lot to everybody. I'm, like, so chatting. It's a bit social. <laughs> <clears throat> but once I get into the marshalling area, just because I'm nervous, I stop talking. Um, but I... Which for you is rare. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Um, but I do try and just think about like the plan, like what is the plan? Where am I going? What am I going to do? You know, the actual plan, like do this first, do that first, do this first. Yeah. So, um, that has helped me or I want to like, if I'm working on one thing, then I just go through that one thing where I'm like, I'm, I'm just working on my slowdown and my, my small circle. So I make sure that's the one I concentrate on. Um, but just try and like get in the zone, get in contact with yourself. Like just, yeah. Yeah. 
checking with reality Zoning yeah to what it is that you <laughs> to make do. sure that i'm not gonna um get in there and and lose my mind which remembering is hard when you're out there and and i'm sure that's what what the elite people can do they can get in that situation and think mm-hmm. um but i i do get definitely absent-minded um when i'm in there yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and I guess you just have to keep going to to get over that. Get past it. Get past it. And then I'm not sure if you ever do or whether you just start to accept whatever's coming to you. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure if we do ever get over it. Okay. Do we? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I've never... I've never been an overly nervous person. I've probably gotten more nervous as I've gotten older and had children. Mm. Um, Just in my... I guess in what I think I'm capable of doing and things like that. Um, you know, I used to camp draft a little bit before I had kids and now like, I don't want to camp draft. It's too fast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Not> like, <laughs> you know, and, and it's probably silly cause I, I probably am still as capable to do it as I did before mm-hmm. I had kids. But I guess there's just that mounted pressure of like, okay, I'm a mum now there's that extra responsibility yep. of, you know, I can't get hurt. You know, yep. I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I own a business and I, you yep. know, so I probably put more pressure on myself now than I ever had and probably get more nervous now than I ever have, even though I've been doing it so long that I shouldn't. Yeah. But I'm yeah. surprised yeah. Way. That surprises me. Yeah. So I don't know if people ever get over nerves, really. Like I think nerves are a bit of a I think they're a good thing I yeah. think that they mean that you're you know you care enough yeah you know what and I mean we do care that's yeah. that's what the probably if the you don't care you probably I guess you shouldn't be doing it yeah I guess that's probably one way to look at it yeah, yeah exactly I um you know I always try and be pretty relaxed about my result and everything as well um I try and always look for the positive and I remember, you know, I actually, no matter how bad I've gone, lost a cow, whatever, I walk out with a smile on my face, patting my horse, because <laughs> I think it was just ingrained in me as a kid that, like, if I don't walk out of there and be a good sport about it, like, I don't get to show the next weekend. Right. So, and a trainer did say to me once, like, sometimes you need to care a little more. And I was like, well, I do care, but, you know, you still, we still went out there, we had a go. Yep. Um, and that's all I, you know, at the end of the day, I guess you got to, think is like okay I went out there I had a go at it we didn't I don't think totally embarrass ourselves yeah um and because like we said earlier not everyone's always got their eyes on you no yeah so I think you just yeah. need to go out and try and do as best as you can do yeah, yeah. But, I think it's it's hard to be in competition and not um be competitive mm-hmm. and also not feel bad about not being competitive yeah so um two sides to that but i just wanted to also say about um for non-pros or non-pros but for all people like two options one get a safe horse and just give it a go get out there meet some friends Mm -hmm. because having a safe horse and just going out there and giving it a crack getting some lessons yeah like i did that um i had a super safe horse for probably five years that i was competitive and I really, like, I, I had all the same nerves, but I really enjoyed it because he was safe, didn't have a lot of manoeuvres and stuff, but I could be there yeah, amongst it. 
and meet the people and get to, to dabble in it. And he was a cheap horse. Yeah. And then the other way, which you've definitely taken advantage of, is is by what's manufactured to do the sport. The yeah. work's been done. Yeah. The horses invest, are trained. Invest, <laughs> invest, and and get a well-bred one that knows their job and enjoy that too. So you can do you can pick either side whether you want to support a trainer and, and support some breeding and, and get a well-bred horse and, and do... And I've had some horses in the cutting game that I have been... have ruined my confidence a little bit too. Okay. Um, probably more so after I had kids, same thing, confidence thing. And, you know, I had a horse that wasn't as good as, you know, probably some of the others I'd ridden. And I'd got ner- nerves. And then I bought a horse like Juraspin yeah. that you showed, Andy. And I had another horse called Jazzy Style Shark, which I did well on the, in the Futurities. And they were just solid, trained, trustworthy horses. Yeah. And I started showing them again after riding one that had made me lose my confidence. And I just, like, I got that back, right. you know. And unfortunately, I don't have either of those horses anymore. So I kind of had to, you know, go again. But, you know, finding that horse that does make you comfortable and confident is such an important part of it. And I think having horses like that is all well and good, but I think we can also agree that it's not always rainbows and butterflies. Um, I know there's plenty of people that want, they have like their heart horse and they've had it for five or 10 years and it's, it's just a horse that they've trial ridden on, but then they think, you know what, I would like to try reining or I would like to try this. And, um, you know, there's sort of how people go from there to into the show pen it, it's a huge thing I know for me um it's probably a bit of a like a f- epic fail story and it was probably before you ever competed in like yeah. you cutting competitions or you reigning yeah so it was, was probably your first intro to competing in anything yeah so Renee was Renee had a little stock horse and um Renee likes to like she's already told everyone dabble in a bit of everything in the equine <laughs> industry so she bought fingers in all pies <laughs> she bought a stock horse um, out of landmark, mm-hmm. didn't you? A two-year-old, and you were like, you know what? I'm going to show him in a stock horse show. Just cause. And so um, we lived out here in the Hawkesbury, and the Hawkesbury show is one of the biggest shows that you can go and show. It's like the at. big agricultural show with yeah. rides and horse shows, and so and Renee was like, I'm going to show this horse in stock horse class. You could show you you could you I can't talk. <laughs> you should come and show a horse too. And I was like, what am I going to show? Like in a hack show and she's like oh my god just go in like the quarter horse classes and so we looked into it because we had no idea what we were doing yeah. and the options were to either show in western pleasure classes or hunter under saddle and we went through the 80 horses that renee had and narrowed it down to um this gelding that she had and like his name's shorty and he's done everything literally he's been on films he was trained as a cutting horse he's drafted Graham bloody Roman rides on him, which for people that don't know is when you have two horses and you stand on their backs. So he's broken to harness, mm-hmm. everything. Worked on some of the biggest films in the world. Shotguns off him, film with drones. We're like, Shorty will be so good. And I was like, I don't quite think I can nail the whole Western pleasure thing. So we're going to go in Hunter Under Saddle. Right. Which entails riding in an English saddle, which I had never done before. So, um, so I was like, right, I'm going to take this super seriously. So I was working at the trail riding center at the time. So I started trail riding in English saddle. I thought 
I'm going to be prepared the night before the show. I was like, I'm going to go home from work. I'm going to ride him. I'm you were really, super de- dedicated. I, I was. I felt like I was pretty dedicated. And so I came home that night and I was riding around and I think I was like cantering a circle and he tripped. Like and when I say he tripped, it was like a little stumble. <laughs> and I <laughs> catapulted <laughs> over the front of him and landed flat on my back. Right? And I laid there. I laid there in the dirt. And I'm not religious, but I thought, this is God telling me. Don't do it. (laughs) But I thought, you know what? I've worked really bloody hard. I'm going to do it. You're going to cowgirl? I'm going to cowgirl. I'm going to give it a go. So we got to the show the next day. Wait, this is the day before. This was the night before. (laughs) The night before. before. So, like, I thought it was the universe for sure, right? I'm being totally supportive. So we got to the show the next day. I had borrowed a friend's gear. Jodpers and all. Wore jodpers for the first time in my life. Yeah, it was cute. (laughs) And Renee and Graham were there, and she was showing this dog sign. She's like to Graham... I'm just not sure. We don't know this horse. He's only two. Can you ride him around? So they sort of went and did their thing and they were like, oh, yeah, shorty, you'll be sweet. Like, you'll be fine. You're on the old trusty steed. Old trusty steed. So they went off to the other side of the showground because her ring was over there. And my ring was right next to the show jumping, which had like, you know, like those ropes with the triangle flags Mm -hmm. and the rides. They're very flappy. Yeah, very fluffy. Very fluffy. And the ride. So I sort of was warming up just next to where my ring was. And Shorty was scared of every single thing. <laughs> every single thing, right? So I would ride really nicely around this side of the circle and then go around the other side and he'd see the flappy flags or the rides and he would just balk. And I, I couldn't even keep him on a circle, right? And I was just like, oh, my God, this is going to be a disaster. So no word of a lie. I rode it in the class and it was walk, trot and canter and every time I asked him to canter, he humped (laughs) and the judge actually said to me, just stop. (laughs) Just stop. (laughs) And I thought, why? (laughs) Why did I decide to do this? Um, And, you know, it was just, Everything that I told myself was going to go wrong. <laughs> you manifested it. <laughs> Went wrong that day. Potentially I manifested it. And here's me thinking like, we've got this good horse. He's literally seen more than every horse on the earth put together. But he still had a shit day. Moral of the story. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? Yeah. No, totally. And like I sometimes think, you know, yeah, those horses can have a really shit day. Our best horses can have a shit day. We can have a shit day. Yeah. And, like, our nerves, I think, also feed into those horses. Mm. And so that's what I – another thing I try and tell myself, not that it works. But have you had any of those moments, Leah? I've had um, a lot. <laughs> a lot? <laughs> a lot. Any, like, eat dirt moments? I've had – I used to have a shirt when I was younger that said, I do all my own stunts. <laughs> And like, you, like a little stick figure getting bucked off. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you just picked yourself back up. Right. You're still doing it. Yeah, totally. I haven't fallen off for a long time. Um, touch wood. Touch wood. I don't think we bounce as well as we used to. No. 
We don't. And we know it too. We tell yeah. ourselves every yeah. day that we don't. 100% we do. I would get off before yeah. I would fall off. <laughs> <laughs> or at least attempt to get off. <laughs> no, see, I'm like the safest part is on there. Like if I can't just step off safely, like I'm holding on for dear life okay. if anything goes bad. But I'm never getting back on that. <laughs> <laughs> Or you made one time thing for me. <laughs> we were trying to go for whatever you've got, get out there and give it a go, but also. We kind of just step back a little. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess it's looking at, you know, we, we have bad moments. We all have bad moments. And it doesn't, if it's your passion, it should never stop you from doing what you love to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think giving yourself those moments of some little pep talks you need or someone else giving you those pep yep. talks. So Find I think someone you can count on, like get a good friend that you appreciate the, their advice or, I mean, there's so many people. There's I think, endless yeah. people that would help. And you see a lot of um, new people in the sport or any equine discipline with Matt and his clinics. Yeah. What would be one of the biggest things you would recommend for someone wanting to try a different sport or what would, you know, what would Matt say? (laughs) What would Matt say? Um, Honestly, I think just, like, ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Even if you think it's – I hear – probably the most common thing I think I hear people say to Matt is, can I ask you a stupid question? And he always says to them, no question is a stupid question. Mm. If you're willing to ask, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to give you the answer and you're going to get a result. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, as much as, you know, and we've said it ourselves, we feel that going and showing horses is a daunting task. There are so many people that want to help you. Mm. So many people want to help you. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to to ask questions. Definitely get help, whether it's, like you said, from professionals or, you know, you have a friend who has a friend who's shown a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there is plenty of help out there but definitely yeah ask questions and, and I think finding a, a good trainer that you gel with you know and and ride with different people and see what is the right fit for you yeah um that will really help I think get your foot in the door um Leah as someone who is quite anxious about showing and stuff like that what would be your biggest tip to for people to combat that? Mm. And I guess, you know, to start, yeah. like to start out in raining or Western Pleasure or cutting yeah. or show jumping, you know, just where do you start? Um, clinics. <laughs> I like, I went to probably more clinics than anything for a few years. And then that gives you a good gauge because there's only 10 people you could, yeah. you know, have a problem embarrass yourself in front of you know um so i think and there's a lot of good clinicians so you can you can learn a lot before you even even get there and a lot of the trainers that join them there that you'll end up going to a show with them and they'll be there Mm -hmm. so definitely going to clinics or lessons or just sort like outsourcing um you know your writing school or someone else who is doing it that you can that you can ask questions and and take along with you I think that most people uh, like have anxiety about starting out. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And and they're worried about w- what is going to happen or or you know 
if it's going to be a foul. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think anyone's immune to it. The other thing is I keep questioning now whether it does go away because we seem to all be like the mindset of it all. Like I feel like you've got to do the work a little bit. Yeah. Of, of you know, find, like you said, someone's Your told you, yeah, it's yourself. Mm. you know everything that's yeah. it's gonna always be work and yeah. if you love it it's gonna be worth it i've yeah. also always said to people that come to clinics like there are a lot of people that come to clinics and they say i want to give this a go or i want to give this a go but i'm too scared to do it and i do say to a lot of people actually go to a show and watch mm-hmm. because i think a lot of people who want to get involved but they haven't been to shows they have this thing in their mind of what it's like and they watch the videos on Facebook and YouTube of the the best, high the very best in the world, yeah. and think that's what happens. I get the same nerves about a lesson. Yeah. Like I'm that person that's like, when people like go left or go right, I'm like, wait a minute, you know, left yeah. or right. Like I just start losing a little bit of my mind. Yeah. Like I, I'm drawing on nothing. I think, where is it? You know, I know this or. So you start, you do, even in a clinic situation, you are working on what you're going to have out in the show pen. Absolutely. Because that little bit of pressure, this still just makes, you know, 80% of what I already have in my brain. It's like so f- much further away from just your fingertips. So you, in a clinic situation or in a lesson or, yeah. you know, at home when you're writing, you are still drawing on trying to better yourself in yeah. that situation. Yeah, but definitely definitely going and actually watching and, and seeing the reality of what it is. A lot of clubs put on training days too, which I think is a really cool thing for people. Um, it's sort of, you know, you start with lessons and clinics and then you might just go and ride at a training day before you actually go and show because mm. it's, the, it's the same sort of anxieties of a show but not the pressure not of the pressure. actually being judged when you're riding. Mm. Um, so I think that, yeah... Those are all really cool stepping stones in the right direction. What do what do you think? Maybe from the cutting perspective, um, I think definitely watching your show, like yeah. you said, is really important. Not just watching YouTube videos or Facebook videos of all those horses winning, yeah, you know, and doing these electric runs and yeah. stuff like that. So you know, going to a weekend show or a club day, clinics are really important, and then. You know, if you don't have someone in your area that does the sport you want to do, maybe getting to some clinics makes you meet people and learn who fits in with you. Like, see who has the same sort of ideals and stuff like that that you respect. Yeah. Um, I think really helps you find someone that will fit your program or what you want your program to be. Um, it always do- It doesn't always work out and you might find someone else. But I think just... You know, taking bits and pieces from everyone helps you learn your own style and everything. And I think it's important to have your own style, not just look at one person and try and be that person because yeah. we can't always be that person. I think that's really important. And like we touched on before, having safe horses, that's the biggest thing. And someone that owns a riding school, um, I don't necessarily teach in it, but I see it all the time safe horses are paramount people bring horses here and i just sometimes blows me away that they're riding horses that are far above their capabilities or or the rider's more capable and they don't have a horse that's 
that meets it. That it meets yeah. their abilities. Yeah. So I think finding the right horse and finding the right trainer or professional person to help you find that right horse is really probably one of the most important things to me, I believe. And, you know, just having a go. Yeah. Just get out there and have a go, yeah. I think, is the most important thing. And like you girl said, and ask for help. have a good help. time as well. Yeah. Like, it's hard. You don't always have a good time. But, I mean, I've met, you know, definitely you guys and – um, a lot of my good friends, but it's good to see everybody and it's good to encourage everybody. And I really enjoy, like, not so much me writing some of the time, but I really enjoy you guys writing. And I yeah. enjoy, like, I am invested in watching you guys and seeing you guys be successful um, and be your own person and, and shine in your own way. So, uh, like, it... it it's good to just get out there and be in it. Yeah. And don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be too yeah. hard on yourself. I think you should be able to laugh at yourself sometimes, yeah. kind of like we have today. <laughs> <laughs> we actually didn't laugh as much as I thought we would. Well, I think we got all that out in the like, yeah, you know, when pre- we were discussing it all. <laughs> in the pre-plan. <laughs> so I guess that's where we kind of wrap it up for today. And yeah, I think sure. what... We... Are we actually going to release this? <laughs> Maybe we should listen back first. <laughs> but no, like, I think this could really be something where we start talking to some real non-professionals, real non-pros in different disciplines. And I guess it'd be awesome to get some feedback on on this as well from yeah. people and go, we'd love to hear from people who can relate to some of the crazy anxieties that we feel. Yeah. Um, in any horse discipline. It doesn't have to be raining. It doesn't have to be cutting. Yep. But, you know, if there's someone that you look up to that you want to hear from yeah. that we could interview, yep. that could be really cool too. And I'm, I'm always wondering, were they just like us before they were good? Like, I just want to know, were they ordinary? Were they just born good? <laughs> like, were they just born good? Or are they like, they went through what we went through? Right, <laughs> or right. Or go through. We'll start asking the questions. All right. <laughs> wrap this up <laughs> i don't actually know he normally just like stops talking okay mm-hmm. so um, it's like when you're at a party and you're like right well i've got to go okay. and then you just keep talking <laughs> or when you're like okay i'm going see ya and you like if it's a good friend you hug and then you walk in the same direction to your car <laughs> nothing worse Start talking. nothing worse or you know what um, it could be like you know that big daunting raining arena and like you tip your hat to the judge to say you're done like do you just leave straight away or do you like stand there and wait for them to say like you're released from the arena? did the judge say that i'm finished <laughs> do i leave so do i trot out or do i walk out yeah i like, made eye contact look away, look away, look away. <laughs> uh,